0: Hey there. Thanks for tuning back in to the Sharp End podcast. I am Ashley Sopi, your founder, producer, and hostess. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Mammut is a Swiss company specializing in mountain sports since 1862. A premium manufacturer of technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, and alpine equipment. The company embodies Swiss technology and its products are distinguished by having the highest quality functionality and safety. Mammut leaves behind the smallest possible ecological footprint so future generations can continue to enjoy the mountains. Mammut, absolute alpine. Thank you to Vertical Medicine Resources and the Colorado Howard Bound School for being contributing sponsors of The Sharp End. So for this month's episode, I sat down with two avid mountaineers and alpinists, two of my personal good friends. They're gonna tell you today about an incident that happened to them in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. And and what's really cool about this interview is that the three of us are sitting at the Colorado Hourbound School Base in Leadville, Colorado, in which all three of us work. So I feel very fortunate to be able to get this interview with you guys because it's rare that we were on base at the same time. So, with that said, um, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves?
1: Uh, My name is Ty. Um, I think, kind of, something that's also interesting is the three of us actually started all together in 2011, which is pretty cool. So, we've all been working together for six, almost seven years. Um, But my name is Ty again. um, And I guess my general psych outside of working for uh, Outward Bound is ski mountaineering. And I've spent quite a bit of time. Um, In the Tetons, skiing a bunch of stuff. Um, And I kind of got the psych for the Grand Traverse, I guess, because it's a semi-moderate outing in the Tetons. Uh, That's within my ability level. Um, But it's also kind of a longer route. It's a grade five, so it's, like, pushing my limits a little bit. And, um, yeah, just kind of like to stay in shape for mountaineering so that I can transfer that over to um,
2: skiing.
0: Just to add a quick little note here for our listeners. The Grand Traverse is, is really cool. It crosses over the seven major peaks um, of the central Tetons and it includes everything from scrambling, technical climbing and hiking, and it goes about fourteen miles. So it's pretty pretty neat. That's what that's what Ty's talking about there.
2: And my name's Matt. And let's see. My passions are Moving in the mountains, I right now, um, and for the last several years, I've been really into winter climbing, ice and mixed climbing. But, uh, also in my passions are big mountains all over the world.
0: Where did this incident happen?
2: This was, on, right before Mount Owen, right before the Coven Kular, right before the Coven Kular. Um, so we're going T- or not,
1: and then going south on the Grand Traverse, which is generally what most people do. I guess
2: it would be kind of silly to go south to north because you're skipping all the good climbing.
0: And when did this incident happen?
2: Late September 2011. Yeah, so I was, a, I think, a senior
1: in college at MSU. And uh, Matt, you were driving up from Fort Collins, right? Yeah, I was driving down from Bozeman and we met at probably the Antelope Flats parking lot up by Shadow Mountain. Yeah.
0: Well, why don't you gentlemen jump right into the story?
1: Um, so, I think it was at the end of our first season at, at Outward Bound. Uh, Matt and I had gone on a climbing trip to the Wind Rivers and we climbed um, a couple like, of the 50 classic routes, the northeast face of Pangora the East Ridge of Wolf's Head. Um, And yeah, we had a lot of fun and just kind of both on the same skill level. Um, You know, definitely not like super strong climbers, but like pretty able-bodied and capable in the mountains, um, especially on like the moderate route grade. Um, And we were both really psyched on the Grand Traverse idea Um, and kind of just adding a little bit more length to it instead of doing like grade fours we were
2: gonna go for a grade five.
0: Can you guys give us just a little kind of a grading system one oh one for our listeners?
2: I would say let's start with um grade two. I would consider that maybe like a half day climb. Grade three would be three quarters of a day. Grade four would be a very long day. And then grade five would be multi-day. Yeah. Uh, so we started at, I think we started at midnight. And we were climbing up Tiwana And we cruised that. We did it much faster than uh, both of us were expecting. And, which was great. That was fine. Uh, and we did a little nap on the, on the summit.
0: Little
2: summit siesta, summit siesta, yep. <laughs> um, and then we got up when the sun actually rose because we knew there was going to be a lot of micro route finding uh, over the many false summits along that ridge, and so we wrapped off the off of Tivonot and uh. I think at that I think we walked down a talus gully
1: to the west off not. and then from from there there's like a sort of this plateau, yeah, a ridge be, uh, between Mount Owen and Tewanot, and then there's a couple repels, and then the the first one we repelled, and that went fine off some fixed tat, mm-hmm. and then it was the second repel that would have brought us down into the the top of the Coven and couloir, which had just kind of sun cup snow on it. And that's essentially
2: where the accident happened. Yeah. Uh, we saw um, another, some more tat, uh, which is just webbing that people have used for wrap anchors before. We inspected the tat, like always, and made sure it was good. And... We wrapped down, or we were setting up the wrap down to the top of the Coven and couloir. and uh, Ty went first, and he threw the rope, and it went down. There was a ledge about, I don't know, three quarters to midway through the wrap, and there was some large talus um, or small boulders on, on that ledge. But both of us didn't really think anything of it because they were on a ledge. And then Ty started wrapping.
1: Yeah, so I remember threading the rope through the tat um, and trying to decide where I was going to kind of like set the rope down on the, the edge of the cliff because um, it kind of dictated where I would like end my rappel, I guess. So I threw the rope and adjusted it and the rope was resting on this Probably refrigerator-sized boulder that was like pretty rectangular, and I didn't really like kick it or test it or think much of it because we were, you know, trying to move fast. Um, and I just threw the rope, and it didn't seem like it would move at all. It wasn't really a concern of mine, so I started rappelling down um, without a third hand, just to kind of cut corners and go a little faster.
0: And for the listeners, just to explain a little bit about what Ty means here when he says third hand, a third hand is a friction hit rappel backup, and the usual setup is to clip the rappel device or your ATC to a sling that's extended from your harness, and then you would tie the third hand around the rope uh, below the rappel device and clip that into your harness. So if you were to let go of the rope for whatever reason, that third hand friction device would stop you.
1: Um, And when I was about uh, maybe a third of the way down um, The rope kind of shifted on me because I traversed a little bit to get to a you know, my landing zone which I was looking at below Um, And out of nowhere I hear Matt above me Scream louder than I've ever heard Matt talk ever in my life, which is kind of funny. He's a really quiet guy Uh, I screamed rock and I looked up and this refrigerator was plummeting down straight from my head so um i guess i kind of waited for the boulder to like get to a certain point and i just instinct i guess just sort of took over and i like kicked off the wall and the refrigerator missed me by like maybe a foot or two um and it hit the ledge or a ledge like maybe just above where i was on the rope and it hit the ledge and exploded with a bunch of shrapnel and a maybe a size of a, a rock, the size of a softball came off and hit me in the head, like right underneath my helmet. And at that point it like knocked me out, like knocked me so hard I like let go with my rappel hand. Um, and since I didn't have a third hand, I just kind of slid down the rope and landed on a ledge just below me on my back. And, the first thing I remember—it's hard to say if I really lost consciousness or I was just so rattled I let go of my hand—but the first thing I remember is just like my head hurting really bad, and seeing Matt's face peering over the ledge asking me if I was okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And once I saw that huge boulder fall after you, I—you know—I was still yelling, and after I saw the bits of boulder after it explode And everything settled down. I was yelling at you, die, die. And it took a couple seconds for me to get some kind of response from you. So right then I was definitely like, oh no. You know, I was thinking the worst. Uh, And I quickly set up my rappel and got down there as quick as I could. And I I found you moving around a little bit, kind of holding your head. Yeah, I remember um just feeling
1: really confused and like like frustrated and like kind of all these symptoms that you get when you have a concussion. Um and just remember feeling like really vulnerable and uncomfortable like where we were on this ledge and um mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of like thought about oh, this isn't really that big of a deal. Maybe we should just keep going. This is kind of like uh you know what happens when you alpine climb? And I kind of talked to Matt a little bit, and he was like, yeah, dude, we can bail. And I was like, okay, good, that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, but I think the main takeaway for me is, like, if Matt didn't yell rock, I wouldn't have seen it, and this, this refrigerator would have, like, hit me and pushed me down on the ledge below me and probably literally cut my body in half, like, right across my belly. Um, so Matt literally saved my life.
0: So you're both on the ledge now, and mm-hmm. Matt, you're sort of assessing Ty. Um, he's bleeding a little bit from the head, right underneath his helmet. Mm-hmm. May or may not have lost uh, consciousness for a couple of seconds. It's hard right. to say. Then what did you guys do? Because you're, you, you wrapped one pitch, so you still had quite a ways to go. What was the escape route?
2: Well, I want to... I guess back up a second and I I still laugh about this uh, today Uh, because we saw this like white powder in Ty's ears or I did and I explained it to Ty and he could wipe it off Uh, and I was like and you really need to you know clean out your ears but after the fact after he'd gone to the doctor that is actually a sign of a, a concussion like your head equalizing and Pushing out fluid. your uh, ears. I yeah. actually don't remember that.
0: <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's that's good to know for all the wilderness medicine folks that are listening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we're on the ledge, and uh, I remember Ty being like, "Okay, I can I can handle myself, but I don't want to make any decisions. I want." You to just set up the wraps and let's just get out of here. And so I was extremely, extremely thankful that he was able to handle himself and like do set up his own rappels and or like rappel device and do his own wraps with me as a on a fireman down below.
0: So you always wrapped first.
2: Yeah, I wrapped first and. I would do the fireman back up where I would hold the end of the rope and so if he if something happened and he let go of the rope, I would just break for him. And it took us seemed like several wraps to get down that that's a long long cooler.
1: yeah it was several hundred feet maybe a thousand feet of snow maybe even more it's I like, it's hard for me to remember um but it was just full of snow and we're kind of slipping and sliding down this like icy couloir with approach shoes and not much clothing with us and it was all in the shade and then I remember getting to the bottom where it was the snow had kind of melted out and there was a bunch of like slabby rocks that were all super wet and that was like a little bit nerve-wracking for me moving around on those like wet slabs down at the bottom of the couloir but eventually we made our way down to the the bottom of the coven route or the coven couloir and then got out onto I think it's called Teton Glacier which is just the small glacier that's up in that basin and um, just started like walking down a uh, Burnt Wagon Gulch or whatever that is, down in the in the trees and walked past some glaciologists who were looking at us oh, yeah. like we were crazy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Your head's all bloody? My head's
1: all bloody. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. We've got these sloppy butterfly coils around our backs. Our shoes are untied, kind of stumbling over it ourselves, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we got down down to the trees and we're just walking east just trying to hit uh, the Lupin Meadows trailhead or the trail that goes back up into uh, Garnet Canyon. Uh, and it just felt like forever and it's starting to get dark. And we were talking about maybe we would have to bivvy. And I think just before we were gonna have a second talk about bivvying, we just came across the trail, which was felt
2: pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think it took us eight hours I can't remember it's kind of fuzzy to me after that yeah I remember we bushwhacked for at least three hours yeah with like six seven eight repels whatever it was several several hours uh, to get out and yeah once we hit that trail we were super happy and I think there's
1: actually a trail coming out of that basin but I didn't know it was there or where it was And I think we were looking for it, but
2: we never found it. Mm -hmm.
0: So what time did you guys get to the car?
2: Right around nightfall, maybe.
1: Uh, 8 p.m., 7 p.m., something like that.
0: So you went from, you started at midnight, and you got back around 7-ish. Yeah. That's a pretty long day with a head injury.
1: Yeah, it was a long day. Did you go to the hospital? Yeah, I think so. What ended up happening was I slept in the back of my Subaru, and then the next morning I met up with some friends who were also there in the Tetons, and we went out for lunch or breakfast. Um, and before I drove back home, my friend was telling me I should go get checked out. And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And he's like, well, what did you just have for breakfast? And I was like... We went out for breakfast, so I couldn't remember that we'd went out for breakfast, and he was like, yeah, we did. You should definitely go get checked out. So I got checked out, and, um, yeah, concussion. I don't think I got any stitches or anything. Uh,
2: And then I think one of my friends drove me back to Bozeman. What'd you do, Matt? I I remember driving back to Fort Collins and then calling Ty and being like, did you make it home?
0: What were some of the learnings that came out of that for you guys?
2: Well,
1: I definitely I definitely look for loose rock on the edge of the cliff now and, and test boulders and push on them. Um, and I think it did occur to me, uh, but I just know that the Tetons are so highly trafficked that I was afraid. This is kind of silly, but like... If I pushed on this refrigerator and it fell, I was kind of worried that I might hit somebody down below me. Um, But I didn't really think it would fall when my rope was resting on it. So I definitely think and look a lot more carefully uh, for loose rocks on the edge of a cliff. And sometimes I still repel without a third hand, but I definitely repel more with a third hand. And I think back then I was... I would either rig it, you know, kind of institutionally, with my third hand coming off my belay loop with a with an extended rappel, or I would not use anything at all. And now I kind of just go back to the old cheater method if I want to go a little faster and put it off my leg loop. And I've rationalized it as like my leg loop is yeah maybe not full strength, but it's better than nothing and it's quicker than a fully institutional setup. Um, so I, w- I would say generally I use a third hand more. And I think speed is safety in the mountains, but some corners aren't meant to be cut. And rappelling is a dangerous activity, and it needs
2: to be treated that way, you know, with caution. For me, I every time I do a rappel now, I think of this incident, and I... I almost, almost always uh, extend my rappel and use a third hand. Uh, I have to have really good reason not to. I
0: think. Well, yeah, your wife would kill you. <laughs> she, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you couldn't teach Felix how to dry tool. Mm-hmm. And he's yep. how old now?
2: Uh, he'll be two next month. Uh, another learning for me is. We did. We. I think we needed to do more planning for the route. the The section right before the Grand is notoriously the crux of the route. It may not be the crux, like you know, it's not the Italian crux or whatever on the Grand, but just the route finding itself is the crux. And now, whenever I do a Uh, whenever I go out, I always look at not just the route, but all the bail routes um, whenever I'm on a route. Uh, You know, this was a huge traverse, but even on a normal, like, four-pitch, whatever route, you got to know how to bail midway, and I think that's a really good learning. That I learned on this.
1: Yeah, we studied the route really well. And when this happened, I guess it was a lot of my previous knowledge of skiing in the terrain that allowed us to figure out how we could get off of it, essentially, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just learning the route, studying it, and reading the beta, but also really understanding like where our exit plans, if we, if we need one.
0: So what do you want to leave the listeners with today?
2: For me, always extend your rappel and use a third hand, unless you have a really good reason not to. And just just taking that 10 seconds to do it is absolutely worth it. I would say even if you're doing... An activity like
1: rappelling that you do all the time, you should always be watching your partner, Um, because that's what saved my life was Matt watching uh, me rappel. And you know, if we got into another instance, and um, yeah, just challenging your partner, like why aren't you using a third hand? Or um, you know, if I set the rope down and Matt told me maybe you should put it over here to not get this refrigerator to come off maybe i would have listened but um essentially it was just my my climbing partner keeping eyes on and making sure that i was staying safe while i was while i was repelling
0: have you guys done the grand traverse since no do you want to do the grand traverse
1: yeah i would like to i'm, I'm still really psyched about the idea i just haven't really found time yeah i think skiing has definitely taken presence over all of my free time outside of work but
2: yeah I'd really like to go and do a grade 5 alpine route. I think that'd be super fun. Yeah, and for me, um I'm, I'm a new dad, so I'm I'm balancing my passion for the mountains and my passion for my family. Uh which is always tricky when you're a new parent. Uh but we're figuring it out and I think someday, someday soon hopefully, we'll we'll get back out there and try to redo our transverse we have gone back and climbed in the tetons since but uh to do that length of a route that was quite the
1: epic too (laughs) yeah i got an eye infection on the Exum ridge and matt had to hold my hand while we uh, walked (laughs) down (laughs) garnet canyon because i couldn't see out of my eyes both of your eyes
0: uh
1: it was so bad that like there was only one eye that i got an infection in but it was so horrible that I just couldn't see, <laughs> and it it developed um, lower eczema. I was fine. Upper eczema, I was starting to lose my vision, and by the summit, like Matt, I think pre-rigged my rappel on like the the standard rappel down, and and literally held my hand the rest of the way
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hilarious, and it the listeners are stoked because they just got two stories in one. Um, So, yeah, thanks, you guys, for taking the time to be on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ashley. Thank you.
0: Thanks again to Matt and Ty. Thanks to all of you listeners. And if you have a moment, please go to iTunes and leave me a review. This episode is sponsored by Mammut, Vertical Medicine Resources, and the Colorado Outward Bound School. Vertical Medicine Resources is an innovative climbing medicine company. Check out their new book titled Vertical Aid, Essential Wilderness Medicine for Climbers, Trekkers, and Mountaineers. The Colorado Hourbound School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. Visit cobs.org to plan your next adventure. And who knows, maybe I'll be your instructor. And as always, thanks to Accidents in North American Climbing, in which this podcast is based on. The 2017 edition of Accidents in North American Climbing will be mailed to all AAC members this month. But if you're not an AAC member, don't worry, you can still buy your copy at shop at AmericanAlpineClub.org or buy a copy at outdoor stores. Until next time, play hard. And be smart.